Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello, Be Awesome listeners. It's Joshua Peach here again. I am in North Carolina. We have been bouncing around from the North Pole to Anchorage to North Carolina in this crazy tour we're on. Uh, Fortunate enough to have my day job CEO, Ed Rosich, with me here today. Uh, For those of you that have been listening, he came on in August and we kind of talked about uh, points to being successful. We touched on his book. And after the David Cook's podcast... Uh, I thought it would be uh, a good episode for us to talk about his book, A Solid Handshake. Uh, I read it. A little backstory here. Uh, Ed started with us November 1st of 2017. Happened to have been my last day uh, traveling in preparation for the birth of our son Chance. And uh, when he got introduced on November 1st, he had mentioned that he had a book. And I think it was November 2nd that I had uh, already had it read uh, on my iPad and I was the best $2.99 I could spend that day uh, and learned a lot. It's, uh, it's, it's integrity lessons for new leaders. Uh, Ed, I'll let you say a little bit about who you are and where you've been before we get into the book. Um, so where have you been? Where have I been? Oh, man. <laughs> well, Peach, um, thanks for having me on again. I appreciate that. Um, I'm actually amazed how functional you are as you describe this week's uh, trip to the North Pole, meeting Santa, uh, and all that. But uh, anyways, thanks again. Um, you know, uh, I've been all over, but you know, I've been in the software space now for about 25 years. Uh, you know, be- between Charleston, South Carolina, and Seattle, and San Francisco, and Toronto, and now finally here in Cary with the dudes. Uh, I've been around. The country uh, sounds like it sounds like your last tour, but um, you know, uh, I've been fortunate enough to have been in senior executive positions for some very fast-growing uh, software companies, and uh, you know, uh, it's been sort of the track record the last 25 years professionally. And, and whereabouts did you decide that you were going to write this book? And did you know this was the book, the direction of where you wanted to go right out of the gate? Yeah, two, uh, the, the, the creation of the book story is pretty funny. I was in between jobs and uh, needed to take a little bit of a sabbatical. And through the years, I, I only know like 15 stories. I just tell them the same, same 15 stories uh, over and over. And as I was ending the one job, uh, one of the guys that I worked with and it was like, you know, you don't just throw all, that, all those stories in a book and just hand the book over to people instead of just, uh, you know, repeating yourself over and over. And when I went into that sort of sabbatical between jobs, I was like, huh, maybe I'll just tap out a few words and, and see what happens. So um, I started uh, hammering it out and uh, the words came pretty easy because they're stories I've, I've told a million times. And uh, uh, decided to self-publish it. My, uh, believe it or not, my mom and my sister actually did the first edit, and um, then I got, uh, uh, I guess, a professional editor to help me format it. And uh, 
We then uh, posted it up on Amazon and Barnes and Nobles and all that. It was actually in the Amazon Hot 100 business books for about 30 days, and then my mom ran out of money um, and uh, couldn't buy any more. So, <laughs> well, I've I've taken over. I've bought in a few uh, a few uh, for friends and family and people that were interested. And uh, I think I'm going to do something after this to to help uh, get a few more out the door for you. But um, solid handshake. Where did you come up with the title? Yeah, so uh, I'm 54, and I'm guessing there's a lot of people of my age group that have a similar story. But my dad, um, from a young age, always tried to teach my brother and I and my sister, uh, you know, to do right. And he somehow focused in on the importance of a handshake. And I actually think it was a metaphor for for strength and integrity, but. I can remember uh, him teaching us how to give a firm, solid handshake, you know, look the guy or gal in the eye, you know, three pumps of the hand, not too many more than that. Don't do a fish, uh, fish handshake. Uh, don't do that thing where you grab somebody's arm and handshake them at the same time. He's like, only thieves do that. Um, I've since learned that that's probably not true. But he would literally, um, it seemed like hours, I'm sure it was at least 20 or 30 minutes and uh um, would do that with my brother and I for sure. And it almost got to the point where he would, uh, on a Saturday, we'd be sitting there. It's in the winter. We, we grew up in Ohio. It's snowy out. My brother and I almost got to the point where we didn't want to even be in the family room with him. Because usually about once every month, he'd be like, hey, have I ever taught you guys how to do a good handshake? <laughs> my brother and I would sort of look at each other like, oh, man, here it comes. And sure enough, um, 30 minutes of handshaking later. Yeah, and, and that pays off, uh, yeah. you know, and, and it's, it's. I had a conversation that I was talking about uh, with a great group of folks in Alaska about, you know, a lot of times people don't know because they're not taught, they don't yeah. learn, and, and sometimes we expect people to learn or be taught themselves, self-taught, and something as simple as a handshake yeah. with uh, my 11-year-old Danny, we've been doing something for a number of years when I drive him to school when I'm home, which is... Uh, smile say something and shake which is getting him to get engaged with conversation and then understanding the importance of shaking a hand right. or, or acknowledging because you know at 40 at almost 44 years old you know everybody that we engage with our family friends are in that age group or your age group or even older you know that's a, that's a sign of, of respect and that's yeah. a, that's a, that's an initiation of communication in a lot of ways and uh, I think it's important so we've, we've been doing that for a number of years but there's a lot there's a lot of people that don't do that, that that's yeah. just an assumption, um, and they forget how they learn. So I think that's yeah. really cool that you not only remembered it, but you, you shared it with your book. Yeah, no, it's so true. And I don't know, you, you, you're a natural uh, people connector and handshaker and all that, but it is really interesting to me because, you know, I, in my job, um, I shake a lot of people's hands. And it does, in a lot of ways, tell you a lot about the person sometimes, you know, if they sort of... Um, I'm sure this is PG-13, but they sort of half-ass the handshake, don't look mm -hmm. you in the eye or, you know, do that stupid dominance thing where they, <laughs> you know, basically go in horizontal on top yeah. of you. Uh, it's like, mm, I'm not going to make a perfect judgment on this person, but I, my radar goes up one way or the other, good or bad, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I think there's a part in your book, 
and we'll get into the chapter. We'll dissect this chapter by chapter because there's, I think, 13 of them, yeah. uh, 119 total pages or somewhere thereabouts. So it's not scary. It's mm-hmm. not not overwhelming. Not some of your your typical uh, referrals of books is, <laughs> yeah. is like the average book size is about 600 pages, yeah. and you wrote 119 pages. So uh, looking for looking to see what number two uh, looks like if it's more along the lines of principles. You know, I'm a firm believer that the world needs more 100-page books. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, yeah, I think that this it truly it's, it was a uh, an afternoon hour and a half, yeah. hour and a half read uh, with uh, with with a uh, I think only one or two words that I didn't didn't know. Um, Those but, are probably misspellings. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I couldn't find them. Uh, I couldn't find them. But I think there's a, a spot in the book that references something along the lines of, of, of a line that I have when I was doing business. I'm notorious. This was prior to you being here, so I can say it, and I think my statute of limitations. But I was notorious for put, moving forward with a deal without something written. And I always used to mm. say, if I can't trust your word, I, yeah. I can't trust your signature. And and with that came the come, came the gentleman's handshake, you know, ge- yes. ge- you know, and and if I looked you in the eyes and you looked me in the eyes and we shook hands and we said this is what we we're gonna do, we made sure that we did it, and that's just the way that it. That's mm-hmm. the way that's the way life and business should be done because Absolutely. that that ink doesn't matter. At the end of the day, um, if you're not a high integrity person, you can sign it, seal it, deliver it. It's still not gonna do anything for you. And uh, I think that was a great point. I believe it was in towards the beginning of the of the book. Uh, yeah, that's bang on. And actually, I think that the example I used in um, I now have two examples from the same area. Um, the first example I talk about is uh, a contractor named Larry, who my wife and I invited over to redo one of our decks uh, mm-hmm. on our house. It had been weathered and rotten and all that. And he uh, came over, uh, and, you know, Hollywood casting, uh, <laughs> uh, couldn't have sent over a better looking contractor, you know, guy in a pickup, <laughs> dirty hat, work boots, uh, um, coffee mug in hand, and uh he, he said about measuring and asking questions and all that. And I was like, uh, so uh, uh, will I get a quote from you or something? He goes, ah, I think it's about 10 grand. And he goes, when do you want to start? And I was like, well, do you have a, a like a contract or anything? And he just looks at me. He's like, no, it's about 10 grand. If it's more, um, you know, I'll charge you more. If it's less, I won't charge you 10 grand. And it was just something about the way he carried himself and the way he said it. You know, I, I was sort of, you know, I was living in downtown San Francisco at the time. And man, you don't you don't buy a cup of coffee without a 37 page, you know, legal <laughs> document there. And but something about Larry made me trust him and he gave me a handshake. I handshaked him back. Sure enough, um, we get done with the job. It was uh you know, I think it was a little bit more than ten grand because he found some rot that he didn't expect inside the walls as he put the deck on, and I I stroked the check, and um, you know we did two or three other things to the house on a handshake, and you know you, you know if you've ever worked with anything on your house getting built, but usually there's a big contract and handshake, and um, I uh, I started building another house out in Mendocino, and we got uh, uh, at least a quarter of the way through before we put a contract in. It was only. The only reason we put a contract in is because we had to have subs and there had to be some a paper trail on how we treated subs if, if we didn't pay or they didn't pay and all that. But the handshake I had with the builder, you know, six-figure house, seven-figure house, and uh, we did it on a handshake. Yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> that's incredible. And I, the construction's a tough one. That's, uh-huh. the, the, that's probably, uh, I would say, arguably the hardest 
<clears throat> excuse me, the hardest uh, group for you to do something yeah. like that with the trust factor in. Uh, so definitely had to be that comforting thing. I was sitting there when you were talking about the uh, the best looking contractor. We've got a uh, this is a sidebar story, but it's pretty funny. I was talking about the other day uh, a great friend of ours, Sean Flynn. He owns a landscaping and and uh, f- garden and farm uh, on, in our town, and uh, he was the most, he mows our lawn and does all the landscaping and everything. And we've got our driveways 800 feet long, so they can't I drive it. They can't yeah, drive yeah. the truck and trailer with all the equipment down. Right. And so the first time he comes mowing the lawn. <clears throat> He's got his guys, and they get these riding lawnmowers. They stand on top. Oh, yeah, the ones that get, like, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And these guys come down with no shirts on. They're, like, fresh, you know, college students for the summer. And I just look, and I'm, and, I, and, I, and Amy's looking, and I said, are you going to go out there and bring him some lemonade and cookies? you got to be kidding me. These guys coming down in their steel steeds every week, and, uh, and I'm out traveling around, the, the, uh, the landscaping crew. So, yeah, these guys all come out with their smiles and their good looks, and uh, and, and, and fortunately for you, some, tr- some trust, and I'm lucky that I have my... Because uh, Sean's the same way. He's been yeah. doing. Uh, he he plants things, puts things, does whatever. It comes out and see something missing, and yeah. no questions asked. It's it's the right thing to do. It's so, the right thing to do. Um, those are hard hard people to find. So. Yeah, and when you find them, man, you just gotta hold on to them. Right? Yeah, yeah, yep. and, and help them out, and and yep. uh, and hopefully they continue to to go down that path. So let's talk about the book, the yeah. first chapter one. Now I think it's shame, shame, shame. Let me open yeah. up. Is that am I right? Yeah, okay. Right. Yeah. yeah, okay. Um, yeah, let's open up to here. So let's let's do this. Let's go through the thirteen chapters. I'll give you the title, and you just kind of give me the 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 yeah. brief. W- well, yeah, I started off the shame, shame, shame thing, and um, with the idea that hey, just trying to point out, we live in a world where integrity, both from a business level or personal level, you know, I guess maybe ain't what it used to be, and you know, that's probably. Um, even more punctuated now than when I wrote the book with, uh, without taking a side on, on our political climate. There's enough, uh, enough bad stuff happening on any side of the fence that you look at. But, you know, certainly in politics, um, you know, I think we've reached new levels of, of, of stuff there. Um, on the uh, business side, man, open up the New York Times or whatever paper and you know, see all of that. And so what I was just trying to get done there was sort of set the platform that, you know, we're living in times where a handshake ain't what it used to be and, and a person's word isn't what it used to be. And, and um, you know, I, I want to sort of set the stage on that. And, and before we go on, Peach, like, I, I just want people to know, like, I'm not preaching. I'm a human being and I've, mm-hmm. I've done some things I'm not all that proud of in my life. I, I try to wake up every morning with the idea not to do those things and, and all, but, um, you know, uh, I'm not perfect, so anything that comes out of my mouth hereafter is not a preaching sermon. Yeah, well, I think that was that's a great actual uh, segue for me to say that, you know, I think that there's a difference between uh, an error mm-hmm. and and an integrity breach, right? Yeah, uh, totally. there's a huge is, and and there's also something in which we're all human. We all make mistakes. I make mm-hmm. I make the first couple before I even get out of the shower. I'm sure I'm the, my day. Uh, the the best attempt to not do that again or not have something yes. like that happen again, that's an acknowledgement of needing to fix something, an integrity issue. For those of the, for those that are wondering and saying, what's my level of integrity or did I violate as we go through this? Um, I think the biggest the biggest thing for people to realize, yes, the biggest thing for people to realize is integrity for me would be something that's done with intention and probably mm-hmm. tried to do over yeah. and over and over again. I think one of your references 
in chapter one was um, uh, a very well-known uh, Bertie Madoff. Yeah. You know, that, that, that was a, an absolute oh, breach horrible. of integrity. Yeah. Woke up every day, knew what he was doing was wrong, still did it anyway with his own greed in mind. And, and that, before we get to chapter two, is another piece when I say Bertie Madoff. There was a great question that was asked to me last week. Uh, you know, part of the interesting thing about my life is that I get to talk to so many people, yeah, so, many different, so many different places. And there was a couple of occasions in the last few weeks that I asked somebody how they're doing. And they said, you know, I'm doing all right. And I said, well, how do, how's everything with work? And the two different people from two different companies said, well, who's really happy at their job? And so that springboarded a whole nother conversation because oh right. I, I happen to be happy with two jobs. And, and you know, if I could, if, if there was time for a third one with, with great experience, with great people and great opportunity, they, I do, I do as many as I possibly could. So right. we got into the conversation and started going into leader, <laughs> leadership. And one of the conversations, the person said, who do you actually know that is a good leader that didn't have to kick people while they were down and claw and scratch and do all this stuff? And I sat there for about a millisecond, and I'm like, this is a really jaded, bad conversation, someone that's just so negative about everything. I'm like, well, Kent, my CEO when I was 22, and again when, in 2004, my dad, uh, <clears throat> you uh, and Scott Carpenter and Tom Knox and Lee Prevo and all the guys that have been leaders for me that have had levels of success have done a phenomenal job with, with high, in, high levels of integrity mm-hmm. and honesty. Uh, and haven't had to kick puppies or do any of that stuff. Yeah. And then uh, when I got kind of a perplexed look, I said, Ellen DeGeneres. And uh, then that, <laughs> that, that ended the conversation abruptly. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, you watch Ellen every day. Puts a smile <laughs> on my face, but makes me cry when she comes out with those big checks. And, you know. She knows how to dance. But, but think about that. When we, look at, when we look at business, everybody is so quick to point out yeah. the pyramid schemes, the Ponzi schemes, the this yeah. scheme, the Enrons, everything else that there isn't really a focus on solid, good leaders that are doing great things and making a difference. We're always looking for that leader that's doing wrong. It doesn't matter how much right, doing wrong, one little thing that's wrong. Um, But I think that was a great first chapter, and you gave some fantastic examples of, you know, what poor integrity is and kind of who some of those folks might be. Um, Chapter two, why lead with integrity, which... Yep. I mean, some of the chapters are pretty self-explanatory, yeah. and, um, and and the chapters are are, uh, are not very long, so that's that's good. So, what do you got on this one? Yeah, you know, why lead with integrity? Um, you, you know, it's much easier to to lead people when they trust that you're not doing nefarious, dishonest things. You know, our jobs, no matter where you work, are hard enough. Incomplete data. Um, changing environments. Sometimes you don't even, you know, you have gut instincts on some things, Um, you know, uh, and if you lead with integrity, people will forgive mistakes made of action and, and doing the best where, where people typically get sideways with folks is, you know, if I try to say up, uh, up is up when actually up is down, you know, you lose leadership following um, when that kind of stuff happens. The other thing is, you know, hey, uh, I don't have a patent on on losing sleep as a leader, but um, I never, and I know the good leaders that that try to do the right thing all the time, 
they don't lose sleep because of things they're worried about getting caught doing. Mm -hmm. Um, It's all the other stuff we worry about. So, you know, I never want to have to worry about like, hey, are are people going to see me doing stuff that I shouldn't be doing or catch me in a lie? Or I like, I don't want to, I don't want to lose sleep over stuff like that. And I think it's just easier to to lead from that position. Yeah, that's it's a uh, losing sleep is that's I think that's a huge question that you probably have been asked a million times. Yeah. You know, what keeps you up at night, or what do you lose sleep about? Um, and of course, no one's ever going to answer. By I'm losing sleep because I'm screwing everybody over. That, yeah, that's that's around me, friends, family, and in between. So yeah, um, my guess is the people that are doing that sleep just and knowing yeah. they do that, they probably sleep just fine. Yeah. Like, I want to be able, and I want to work with people and and serve people um, that you know can look in the mirror and say, "Man, did I do the best I could do today with the information I had? Yes. Did I did I do anything purposely bad? No. Maybe that maybe I did some things that had some bad consequences, but it wasn't coming from a place of bad intent. If that makes sense, it does. It does. I mean, there's in in life in general, and, and whether it be personal or professional. You know, I believe that we have tough decisions to make. Yeah. We always have really tough decisions to make. And yep. there's no um, there's there's no right answer sometimes. You mm-hmm. you uh you know whether it's a, a, a family issue that you have to get involved in, whether it's a personal issue with your relationship, whether it's a professional issue that tough decisions are have to be made, you're your intention is that the outcome will be better than what it currently is, and yep. and that doesn't always make make things uh, easy for you. You grabbed you grabbed a book here. What do we got? Uh, okay, so we're going to go to page nineteen, principle one. Well, this is, a cha- this is we're on chapter three, right? Is that that's um, that was, chapter. The chapter three is a setup. So um, yeah, chap- why lead? But the actual principles start on. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm sorry. Principle, principle one. Worries. Okay, cool. um, that sort of makes sense. What you did. It makes this total is total sense. Where, what do you, what do you at have? at the end of the chapter. Right, of chapter three on principle one. Yeah. Yeah. So you get bring no dishonor to yourself or those you're associated with. There's no such thing as a minor lapse of integrity, Tom Peters. That's that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad you grabbed that because I was... Uh, I was actually. You're gonna get there next. I was gonna actually. get. I was gonna. I was gonna get there next, but you jumped on it. So yeah. Yeah. No. Um, so um, I, and again, I I say I. Everybody in my position is a leader, and actually, you don't even have to be a leader. You could be, you know, coming from a place of your family life or your hobbies, or or even just some person driving down the street. You know, bringing no dishonor to yourself or the people you're associated with. Like I, I honestly think about am I what I am doing as a leader for the dude, for example, um, is it above board? Because I know that I have 650 dudes depending on me to, to take a straight and narrow path. You know, two million people that log into our systems on a daily basis. Um, the extended families of the 650 dudes. I have a wife. I've got kids. I've got dot 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 dot. And I never want them to be embarrassed about some stupid ass decision I might have made that might dishonor them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and that's uh, a great a great point. And my dad, uh, my my stepfather, who's been my father father figure and father for ever since I was in the third grade. I can remember he was a, a great salesman, <clears throat> and he 
when he realized I was getting into sales. Sales is always sales is the um, is looked at as this terrible word oh. and this terrible thing and so all true. you're doing you know it's, it's just it's such a terrible awful uh, role that you could have and you're just taking advantage of people and everything else and I remember my dad telling me I was about 18 years old and he said son whatever you do whoever you work for uh, whatever you sell because he knew I was going to be in sales make sure that you sell it and you're willing to go to the supermarket down the street from where we live and, and make sure that nobody's going to want to throw anything at you. And, and that, was, that, that stuck with me forever because you, there are people that do that. And they give a bad moniker, a bad oh, name totally. for, for salespeople, just as, just as a, a business owners do. Um, but that's, that's a conscious effort that you have to make uh, day in and day out that you are not going to be deceptive, deceitful, hurtful to your coworkers, to your, to your clients, to your potential clients. To your competitors, to yep. anybody, yeah, you're exactly. going to take the high road. Yeah, take the high road uh, always. As a matter of fact, that's what uh, Stan Stan referenced the high road the other day on the personal side of things. So, yeah, that's that's something that. Um, well, let's 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 get out of the chapters for a second. And it might I, there might have been a part in the book, and I apologize uh, for my brain moving here. But have you ever been put in a position where there was an integrity, a question of integrity, like you you. Have you ever been put in a position where you've had looked at something and gone, wow, that's really not right, and I don't want to be... Yeah, so uh, there, there actually is a story in the book, and I'm uh, uh, like you, I'm a little sleep-deprived right now, but it was a great story. I was, uh, back to the sales example, I was um, uh, on my first sales call with this new company, and I was going out with the VP of sales, and um, I can't even remember exactly what we were selling, but... Um, the, the VP of sales was interacting with the prospective client and, you know, the client was like, well, this, uh, will this device suspend gravity? Oh yeah, it'll suspend gravity, spin you around and, uh, spit out a new car for you when it's done as a final step. And the guy's taking notes and taking notes and, you know, asking a few more questions, you know, um, you know, is it secure? Oh yes, this is, this is approved by NASA for astronaut security and all that, you know, he just, uh, line after line after line and I'm amazed like holy crap this is a great product you know I, yeah. I took it in we get out to the car and I was like oh the uh, you know the Electron 2000 it, it actually will suspend gravity and he's like no I was like well why did you say that to the prospect ah he won't care at the end all he wanted were these three, three things to work and this gravity thing's not important and I felt really bad about that as a sales rep and um and never looked at that sales manager sales leader again the same way fast forward the tape um on the flip side of the of the good side of that and i think this is stories in the book as well i was working on a a deal for coca-cola trying to sell them a bunch of gear and uh had working on it for a year and uh, I can't remember the price. I'm making it up. A half a million dollars worth of gear or something like that. It was going to be the biggest sale of my life, maybe even the biggest sale for the company for that quarter or year maybe. And um, right when the pen was about to hit the contract, I get an email from the, the manufacturer of the product announcing a 50% price cut oh, wow. on the product to, to the resellers. And uh, it was one of those devil on my shoulder, angel on the other shoulder. Do I, do I? They won't know. They won't know. And I was like, you know what? Um, I'm going to still get this deal at list price. And, you know, if you're a sales rep, that's the golden golden thing. And 
I'm going to cut the price on this. I'm going to match what the manufacturer told me to do. And I'm going to, I'm going to tell the guy that they, even though I was going to lose a bunch of money for the company, you know, from the original price that we're going to go with this price. Um, fax the paperwork over, didn't hear for about an hour. And um, fax came flying back over the fax machine back my way, back when they had that little uh, paper that curled up. And all oh, that. yeah. And uh, <laughs> I, I called the guy to thank him. I remember his name, Daryl Judy. Um, I called the guy to thank him. He goes, I almost didn't give you the order. I was like, why is that? He goes, well, your competitor is selling the same product. Um, didn't really do any work, but he called me about an hour before you sent your thing in with reduced price and said there had been a price reduction. He was going to cut the price of his quote. And if you didn't do that, I was going to give the business, no matter how hard you work, to the other guy. And it was like light bulb. Right. You know, not that I needed a prompting. It was a light bulb. Like, that was the right thing to do. And, and the integrity actually won that business because if I had if I did not drop the price I would have lost that business yeah well that's you can either have you know 50% of something or 0% of, exactly of nothing or exactly. 100% of nothing yeah. uh, and that's I, I've had that happen to me on occasion uh, not in, in that, that exact scenario but mm-hmm. I've had that you know what's what's important you know obviously is putting food on the table but doing the right thing mm-hmm. to uh to to get to the, to get to the client, and yep. I can tell you that that's paid me huge dividends. And I mean, just yesterday, I got a phone call from uh, a potential client for us that was at a different school, uh, had gone to another place, and he's been pushing for us for the last four years. And it was because of the way that we worked the deal and how we did everything, yeah. and being very transparent and staying with the client through the whole process all the way up until he left yep. and now he's at a new place and that that's worth a lot more than a few nickels here or a dime yeah. there when you look at that that you know and who's who's talking totally. right you know that's if 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 you did do if you did all that work you did everything right and your value is 100% of what that was you still would have lost it because yeah because they didn't do the right thing at the right. end and um you know you've seen them before too there are a ton of one year what i call one year wonders as sales reps yep they go in there they slash and burn they do stupid stuff and you can almost watch the resumes as they come in as a hiring manager oh that guy's a a a one-year wonder and the one-year wonders are the people that do whatever they can to get a deal in and then can't go back into their patch because the word got out that they did bad things to their clients it's just that's just no way to win long term right absolutely well, let's get into uh, principle two. Act with integrity, speak with integrity, write with integrity, post with integrity. People are watching. Yeah. Well, and I think I wrote that book, you know, three or four years ago, and it's probably even more prevalent now. Think about this. There are 8 billion cell phones. Mm-hmm. There's Instagram. There's Facebook. There's Twitter. There's Snapchat. There's yeah. dot, dot, dot. Um, the, you know, there are trillions of emails a year. People are watching, and you might think, you know, uh, you're you're under the radar, but every phone has a camera, a mm-hmm. recording device, and people are just, you know, sending stuff out. And, you know, again, I, I haven't been perfect. I tell a story in the book um, <laughs> where uh, I was a manager, a leader of a company, and um, I, I came to find out that two of our employees were dating and, uh, and uh <laughs> Uh, I got this via email, and the, the request was, hey, can so-and-so go in the, the president's club with uh, so-and-so? Um, they're a thing. 
And without even thinking, um, I started typing like, oh my gosh, I can't believe she's dating that scumbag. Da, 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 da. You know, uh, she's so much better than that. I can't believe it. Hopefully, you know, yeah. hit, re- hit send and waited about a minute and I got a reply back from somebody. Hey, uh, dude, you, uh, you just ended up copying like 30 people oh. <laughs> on this inside the company. And uh, luckily, because I was president of the company at the time, um, I called up our IT leader. It was 4.30 in the morning. I called up our IT leader. It was like uh, uh, Salim, I think his name was, Saad Salim. Uh, Dude, um, can you, like, uh, delete that email I just sent out? And um, he did, and uh, those people never mentioned it to me if they saw the email before it was deleted or not. But I learned a very important lesson that day. Like, man, post right do yep. whatever you can with integrity now, that doesn't mean i don't cut up and say stupid stuff to yep. people in my circle about this that or the other swear or whatever but like i'm never going to do i've learned my lesson yeah. on that one you know yeah that's a good lesson the yeah. uh, the reply all i've i've <laughs> i've committed to that uh, more than one occasion and yep. uh fortunately all pg rated and, and yep. not uh, but just hitting the reply all thing yeah. is uh, sometimes a challenge. Well, well, I mean, here's another great story. Like, um, I was hiring, I was part of a hiring team for a, a very high-profile client interactive role, and um, uh, this lady was fantastic. And so we decided, uh, because she was going to be doing a lot of entertaining and all that, we just decided, hey, let's Google her and, you know, see what her Facebook page or what it, came, it might have even been a MySpace page at the time. Mm-hmm. And... Sure enough, on her on her Facebook, MySpace, Friendster, whatever it was, uh, her profile picture was her on a stripper pole, and it's like, oh man, like that's just not the look. That's not a good look for somebody who's a yeah. high high end professional salesperson, you know. Yeah, well, yeah, we should talk about that for a second because there's a lot of young folks and and older folks yeah. that are are leveraging social media and a part of social media, and one of the things I think we get away from, and I and I. I want to say the number was 174, 176. We consume the equivalent of 174 newspapers a day and content. And and so when you think about where we were 20 years ago and how hard it was to find things, I think that people have become a little bit numb to what they put on and no big totally. deal. And it'll just get swallowed up in the internet with everything else. And it'll get a laugh for somebody. Yeah. And and I'll be I'm sure that my Facebook page for my friends and things. Um, yeah. I've got some pictures that I think are funny um, with a, I think I've got one with a, a canister of lighter fluid between my legs and I'm squaring it on a, on a campfire. Um, and, and uh, yeah, well, as, you know, my buddy Gary, you know, he puts a comment, he pisses fire and all this stuff. And, you know, and it's funny, but I think that people, you know, yeah. people could probably get it misconstrued, but, but yeah, you want to be really careful. And it's not even necessarily yeah. that, that leadership or that the company's going to look you up, but that could, that could hurt you yeah. with the people that you work with totally. uh, and be, you know, pretty selective as to what you put out there. Yeah. And uh, Totally. And, you know, but you think you hit a good point. I mean, uh, there's lines you just shouldn't cross and, you know, juvenile things like that. I mean, it's funny. It's a small circle of friends. But yeah. I think what I'm trying to get at is like if, hey, if you're in the public realm or a, a leader, you got to set an example. Right. And, um, 
you know, when, when you're publicly posting things, make sure that it, it sits below a line that doesn't get you in trouble. Yeah, or give or give a perception of something that yeah. you might not be. That could have been someone yeah. that hadn't been out in a long time, was having a great night, and should have had a great night. Yeah. And, hey, you know what? Have a good time, but maybe don't put it out there so much. Totally. Because that's setting that... That that's setting the line for everybody else to um, to be a part of. So we're uh, right now. I'm going to read just through the, uh, the the end of the principles. That's probably the best way to do this instead yeah. of going through. Um, we can. Which one is this? Did this I skip four, one? Yeah. yeah I'm, uh, no, I I didn't get to read you Life of Clowns. This is the oh, fun one. I'm, I'm sorry. On. Yeah, it's three. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I got. I'm, I'm, I'm on. That's all right. Yep. I'm. Uh, we get principle number three, which ends with rid your life of clowns. There's yep. no upside to being associated with them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's followed by a quote from a, a, a noted scholar named yep. Judge Judy. A quote says, when you lie with, with dogs, you get fleas. Yeah. Um, I can't remember um, the person who said this first. It's, this quote's been attributed to, to a lot of people. But, you know, you are the average of five people that you spend the most time with. And let's pretend you're you're dealing with a bunch of you know ten level people, four of them, um, but one of them's like a one, you know that really lowers your average by twenty percent when you think about it that way. And you know um, working and associating yourselves with people that will bring you no dishonor, you bring no, them no dishonor, um, just makes a, a whole lot of sense and you know keeps you keeps you honest and, and working with people, you know. I'm sure there there were people just to pick on Bernie Madoff again. Um, I am sure there were people in that office that were of high integrity mm-hmm. um, that didn't even know what was going on. But I can guarantee you now, when then they're sending their resumes out, even if they weren't involved in any shenanigans, they're stuck with the, the reputation of being you know part of the Bernie Madoff circle and you know um, choosing knowingly choosing to hang out with a guy like that even though you might be you know a top shelf human being you know that will eventually blow up in your hand like a bad firecracker and mm-hmm. and uh, so anytime you can avoid not um hanging out with those people and on the flip side you know i give a little speech in there about you know hanging with lions you know if you associate with lions people assume you're a lion right mm-hmm. and so that goes both ways maybe you aspire to be um, you know, uh, a CEO, well, maybe you should start hanging around with CEOs and, and let some of that knowledge osmotically get to you. So that was the point I was trying to make in that chapter. Yeah, and that's uh, we could have added there is no upside to being associated with them unless you work at the circus. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I wish I knew you when you were writing the book. I could yeah. I could have had my yeah. I, I could have my claim that. to fame of putting a couple words in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And then uh, we're going to go to principle four. Uh, integrity is congruent. Uh, it is not something that is turned on and off at a whim. Integrity needs to run like a thread through your entire life, work, yeah. play, hobbies, and relationships. Yeah. So um, in the, uh, uh, the the quote stands alone as, as per, is, is a good one, but um, I used to work for a guy, um, great great guy CEO still a mentor in fact I was just at a dinner a couple weeks ago um, honoring him he's like 82 or 83 now but he had this thing he used to say all the time integrity is not on a dimmer switch Mm -hmm. you either are or you aren't uh, an integrous person and and I got to thinking about that 
And I think the most awesome thing anybody could say about another human being is there, especially in a good context, maybe not in a bad context, is, you know, Peach is the same guy, whether you're working with him, playing with him, traveling with him. And it's it's a thread, right? Is is your wife Amy says the same thing about you as your coworkers? You know, the guy's a straight shooter, um, and you know he, he conducts himself or herself with integrity. Um, it's it's about authenticity, right? And and that thread just pulls through everything you do. And you know, I don't know if you've ever met somebody who presented themselves as as one thing in one scenario. And then another thing in another scenario, and um, where I uh, where I felt personal pride at times, and um, is when somebody says, you know, um, I've hung out with you at work, and I ran with you, or I, I went and had a couple beers with you. He's, you know, you're the same guy wherever you're at, and it's like, yes, that's that's what I'm going for, right? Yeah. No, whether you like that guy or not, right. yeah, that's a different right. thing. But C- consistency in yeah. determining whether or not that you like that is yeah. the, is the next conclusion. Exactly. My and one of one of the great leaders that I've had, uh, who's now retired and is one of my best friends, Bob Ogardis, He had uh, he didn't use a dimmer switch. He said, uh, um, "You there, you can't be a little bit pregnant. You're either yes. all in or all out." Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> yeah. So that was I was I, you're, yeah. so the dimmer switch, and I'm like, I can remember so many times we'd have windshield time driving yeah. in the late '90s, and we'd talk about something, and, and then it's and we it would be something you know integrity based uh, business or something, and it'd be like, "Yeah, there's no such thing as getting a little bit pregnant." I'd yeah. Say. Well, there's another yeah. great quote, and I'll probably screw it up, but you know, what's the difference between a, a, a an egg and a pig? Um, the chickens. Um, Oh, I'm really gonna. I am gonna screw this. I've had enough coffee. A board meeting today. Um, the, the chicken's participating. The pig is committed. Yeah. You know? um, the egg versus yeah. bacon. Yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. I got. I'm gonna win yeah. I'm gonna get the, the chickens. The, in, the chickens uh, participating. The pig is committed. We'll get the. We'll get the full Google cor- yeah. accurate one. We'll, we'll have it read off. Uh, yeah. Next, next go around. Awesome. <laughs> Pr- principle five: As a leader, your words will be examined, amplified, warped, and misinterpreted, even under the best of circumstances. So, as a leader, make sure you choose your words very carefully. If your words are careless or not well thought out, the results may surprise you, and usually not in a good way. Yeah. Well, and I, I learned that lesson every day as a CEO. Um, uh, you know, I've said some things um, with the best of intentions and have been misinterpreted, and, you know, that's on me in a lot of ways for not being clear. I've also said some, some dumb stuff, you know, trying to be funny that, you know, maybe – in a, in a room of 500, three people took that wrong. And again, that's on me as a leader, but know, know this, like if you're a, a leader of a team of eight or a department of 80 or a CEO of a company of 650, like the dude, um, people are intent and in, in listening to what you're saying and interpreting it from their own filters and biases and, and hopes and dreams and all the, all the words you can put in. And you have to be really thoughtful and measured at, at times about how you spend things. And so, like, one of the things I do um, is when I have a major speech or presentation to the company, I've got a secret shopper group of frontline people here that I'll throw the PowerPoint out and, and literally in the email, hey, uh, 
tell me what you think. Be brutal. If if there's something here that that's going to light somebody up in a bad way or it's not clear, tell me because you know again, best of intent on any given day, any given sentence, I could really say something with in in light somebody up in a bad way. So yeah. What is this? What does that feel like? And this is going to be a little personal. And anytime mm-hmm. we get a little deeper personal, feel free no, to no, it's cool. pull back. I'm happy to do it. What does that stress or that pressure feel like? I I, I get it. Yeah. Uh, every time I go up on stage, and I can't describe it. And I, I and I tell people it's it's for me it's it's I'm riddled with anxiety because yeah. I want to do all the right things, say all the right things, but. There isn't a time that I go up on stage that I say something that someone comes to me, and sometimes it's valid, and other times yes. it's ridiculous. You nailed it. But you put that stress on, and it's it's huge. Like, what's that like for you? What what do you feel as far as you get up in the morning? You're like, shit, I gotta I gotta say everything right to everybody, and yeah. I have there's I'm under with a huge microscope with zero tolerance. Yeah, people are expecting the best and reporting the worst. Yes. What's that feel like? Um, I think you, uh, you, you, you captured it. Like it's a ton of stress, and and you really end up watching yourself. And um, uh, some of this stuff, when when somebody says, "Hey, when you said dot dot dot," um, I really got offended. And some of the you're listening, you're like, "Oh my gosh, the person's right. What a freaking idiot I am. Mm-hmm. I didn't mean it the way it came out, but it came out, and now I got to deal with it." There are other things that that you say, and and it lights people up, and you really scratch your head, um, and like, uh, like I don't know how else I could have put that, and you know, uh, I had a perfect example at the last town hall. You might remember. Um, I don't know why I do it. It's a verbal tick that makes me laugh every time. You know, I talked about how um, some of us touch clients every day, and. And I don't know why it triggers. I just start laughing every time because I, you know, I literally get this like touching client picture in my head. And I started laughing at the town hall. And um, I was like, no, not like that. And, you know, our HR leaders in the office was like, don't put me on a, you know, personal improvement (laughs) program. I didn't mean it that way. I got, uh, I wouldn't call it a shit storm, but a shit sprinkle for sure. Yeah from four or five people saying that wasn't very funny. It was offensive. And we actually even had somebody send a, a written thing in. And it's just like, Oh man, I didn't mean it the way you're taking it. Yeah. And, you know? Yeah. People, uh, it's, it's like I say, I don't understand why everything yeah. is taken so literally. And so, yeah. so much at such offense in a lot yeah. of cases. Uh, I do remember that. I, yeah. I didn't think anything of it. As a matter of fact, I, I, I think I might have laughed a little bit. I think yeah, a number a of folks did. A lot of people did. did. Yeah. That cut me laughing even yeah. harder. It's probably even, <laughs> like, funny. yes, I've, I've arrived. I'm funny. I've got an, I've got an yeah, amusing got town one. hall. Bingo. Put that into my monologue, yeah. Well, yeah. That, I think that actually made it worse for me because I think I laughed a little. Uh, it was natural because uh, yeah. it was a sort of a heavy town hall in a lot of yeah. ways. And, uh, but of course I got, you know, I offended a couple of people and it's just that you live with that as a leader and it makes you like, what, what you can't do though, uh, you have to recognize it, but not allow it to intimidate you because once right. it starts to intimidate you, then you really come off as a bad speaker or you really hold punches and, and you, you really come off sounding like a, like a waffle, you yeah. know? 
Yeah, I did uh, <clears throat> about a year and a half ago. I, I had done a speaking engagement that I that that exactly <laughs> as you're saying it, I'm going. That's what happened to me. I allowed uh, feedback or, or criticism, and it was only one person, but it was it was pretty, and, and it wasn't even necessarily on what I said. It was just trying to attack me as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, but I took it took it to heart, and I let it intimidate me to the point where it affected my my speaking for a little bit and then I had to step back and I had to say all right let's validate here what's yeah. what's real what can I fix what can't I fix can I live with it and move on dot com yeah and that that took a little bit of work and fortunately for me now I I uh you know cuz there's a lot of people out there that um tout themselves professionals or professional speakers or presenters or trainers and say, you know, I don't care what anybody has to say. I, you know, I, I'm successful enough and I do this and you can say whatever you want. I know for a fact that 76% of the time people that listen to me will want me to come back even if I'm going to talk about the same stuff. That's the way the surveys go. It's, it's, it's a awesome. very consistent number. I'd love to get to 77%, but almost all the time I tell people it's 76%. Yep. The other 24% is a sprinkle of, of anything else. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I listen to all of that. And there is some definite, like you say, there's validity to some of yeah. those pieces. It's not intentional. Yeah. It's just the way words yeah. come out. It's just the way that's, it was the slide, I think, more than anything on that one. And um, I think anybody that was, that would have been in your position, and that's kind of how I look at one of those, some of those scenarios, like, what if I was put in that position? Or what if somebody else was put in that position? Would the outcome be the same? And most likely in that situation, yes. Yeah. It, you know, it wasn't like, that instance, and there was one other one that I can recall in the last year or so. Um, don't call me up for the exact example because I, I can't get it. But I can remember what I—I I can't remember what the what the specifics were. But what I can remember was it wasn't planned. Yeah, it was just how things played out and how. Yeah, uh, and that—that's just a I'm trigger. A human effect. being, and you know, when you're up in front of six or seven hundred people and. Yep. You know, you're char- you know, you know this. You speak to people. You get amped up. You probably had too much coffee. You know, uh, you're feeding off the audience energy or whatever. And sometimes you don't get your words exactly right. But right. boy, people are quick to like, you know, expect you to be on it. And, right. and I hold myself, you know, as a CEO, like when the, the instances where I absolutely have screwed it up, I, I look at myself and I'm like, gosh darn it, you know better. Shut up. Yeah. You know? So, well, principle six, we're at whatever you say you will do, do. Yeah, not going to spend a lot of time on that. Um, say do ratio mm-hmm. is a is an important thing to me. Uh, if you say you're going to do it, do it. There's a great story in there um, about Coach Wooden and his sort of uh, a situation where he accepted the job with UCLA versus Minnesota and how he said he was going to do take the job and then he got a better offer but he stuck with it because he kept his word it's the same thing and you know trust is a bank and you never should try to take withdrawals from the trust bank and you only put deposits in and you put deposits in by doing what you say you're going to do to the best of your ability now it doesn't mean sometimes you know um bad things bad data you know hey i'm gonna i'm gonna be at the speaking engagement in san francisco and then it snows where you're yeah. at, you can't get there. That's different, right? It's, uh, you know, I'm too tired to make the trip. I'll tell them I'm sick. You know, right. that's wrong. Right. Yeah. yeah. So say do. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I had to turn down my first speaking engagement that I committed to this year, and it was the hardest thing for me to do 
Uh, but when I did it, and the reason why um, the, the people understood completely was to take my son to his first sleepover camp, and I completely just brain, brain farted on yeah, it. And I'm like, of it. course, of course, I'm gonna. I, no, I didn't forget that, and you know, and then oh, we were, we're sick yeah, your yeah, 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 oh. yeah. Uh, now I've got to call and drop this one, which I, which fortunately they were great people about it. Uh, so principle seven: leadership is not about you; it's about serving your followers. Yeah. I, um, I'm a big fan of servant leadership. I, I serve our stakeholders, um, our, our employees, our, our clients, our investors. And I think high integrity leaders, and again, not preaching about a sermon here, but a high integrity leaders invert that pyramid and it's not about them. Um, Good things will happen to you as a leader as you're going up through the ranks that are that are sort of natural consequences, whether it's you know bigger pay or whatever. But you have to go in there with like, man, how am I going to help Peach be successful today, or how am I going to help that team, or you know, how am I going to thread this needle and make you know four of five constituents happy today? And when you do that, versus hmm, how's this going to put an extra you know three bucks in my pocket? or make my life easier. If you focus on those stakeholders, it usually ends up better for you in the long run. Yeah, and that's a, uh, that's, uh, that so often, and, and especially uh, t- title hounds, I call them. Yeah. You know, people that are just chasing the next whatever. The greatest thing um, that I ever did was about seven years ago, maybe eight, could even be longer than that, I removed the title off my business card. That's so awesome. And it was like, I knew I was never going to be CEO. Like Kent was a CEO, and I saw the stuff that he was doing, and I knew I was qualified and and capable of doing more than I was doing mm-hmm. that day. But th- it didn't matter. Like the role didn't matter, and even if I became CEO, it didn't matter. I put founder on be awesome because I don't know. I, it's what I put on it, but I, my business card doesn't have anything on it. My business card for dude has nothing on it. I love the title of evangelist because people it's cool. Yeah, people yeah. think it's cool, and it's a conversation piece. But it doesn't really have a spot in the hierarchy. Of, yeah, right. You know, where where am I? Who do I fall under? Who who do I report to? And how does that all work? And that was the greatest feeling for me, anyway, because it allowed me to serve others. Yeah. It allowed me to help others and not feel like it's because I'm the SVP yeah. or whatever. And look at me. That's a great um, way to look at it. Yeah, and it's been it's been great for me. Uh, principle eight is uh, learn how to deliver timely and effective apologies, and I think that goes back a little bit on you know that six number you know acknowledging when you when you say something. How yeah. do you do that? How quick do you do it? Yeah. And before you take over that, I think that the line uh, at the beginning of the chapter that opens, which is never ruin an apology with an excuse, yeah. by Benjamin Franklin, is rather fitting. So, oh my gosh, yeah, yeah. I um so I, I have I've done it. I've committed it. Um, um, I try not to anymore. Um, you know, as I get older, it's easier to, to own my own my own badness. But like passive aggressive apologies. Well, I'm sorry, Peach, if you were offended. Yeah. Well, that passes the, <laughs> that passes the mantle onto. Well, it's your problem that you're offended. Yeah, you heard it wrong. Uh, yeah, you heard it wrong. I'm sorry. Or uh, or you know, uh, coming up with 52 different excuses. I think. Most human beings, at least in my observation and personal experience, will be like, look, um, I effed that up. I apologize. I own it. Here's what I'm going to do to make it better for you. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I give you permission if it's a if it's a behavior for you to call me on my own BS later, mm-hmm. and um, and uh, I promise never to I promise never to allow that knowingly to happen again if it's in my you know best of my power. I think nine out of ten times, as long as you don't make a habit of that, people will respect you for that mm-hmm. and uh, give you a little bit of leash. It's the people that do bad things, give the half-assed apology or the passive-aggressive apology or the excuse-laden apology that, you know, they never get a, a, a second chance, right? Mm-hmm. And, man, I'll tell you, I, uh, I've learned that lesson the hard way so many times. And, um, you know, uh, uh, my wife will tell you, she's called me on it, you know, early in my marriage with her, like, you know, that was a, that was a lame-ass excuse apology, yeah. you know. You know, everything that we do comes with experience or practice. Oh, yeah. The apology is something that none of us want to do. No. Either of those, because experience means we're screwing up all the time. Yep. Practice means is that we're, wor- you know, working on our words to be prepared for that experience that we're doing all the time. And I think that's one of the hardest things from my perspective for people to wrap their head around is, how do I have a ge- how do I produce a genuine apology when I don't want to have to ever apologize right. because I want to do things right? And we get caught up, and, and I do it. I mean, I do it with Amy, and I and I catch myself in it where I do. I'm, I'm genuinely sorry about something, but I might want to point something out. Yeah. I might want to. I may or may not want to point something out that might have been another reason why it happened, or I did yeah. what. And so you throw in, you sprinkle in a couple of words that now all of a sudden spin it back around and says. I'm sorry, I'm not sorry, is basically, yeah, you know, exactly. what? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not sorry. Well, I, I don't know um, uh, if you and Amy do this, but I know my wife and I, um, like, she'll call me on it, and I'll, I'll, I'll dig in a little bit, and, yeah. or, or mope about it, or whatever, whatever I do in that moment, and then usually about four hours later, I'll be like, gosh darn it, yeah. she was right, and then that's when the app, the, the right apology comes out, right. and... And um, my frequency of committing that type of stupidity is uh, fewer and farther and less intense and intensity in between. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, I, I'm really thoughtful and I try to be thoughtful um, about that. Yeah. So we're on uh, principle nine. Uh, take the high road, make a high road where one does not exist. If you cannot take or make a high road, just get off the road. Yeah. Um, um, this high road conversations come up a couple of times, so it seems to be the uh, the good way to go. Yeah, like I want, whether it's personal or for the company or the for the people that I'm I'm associated with, to people to step back and never have to question whether they're taking the high road on things. Mm-hmm. And I mean, all of us in business or in life, personal relationships, there are multiple opportunities to take the low road. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in business where the, if there is no way to take a high road and the only road you have to take, it's like, I, I we're not playing there. We're not going to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, um, whether it's talking bad about a competitor to get a, a deal um, or, you know, probably two or three other you know scenarios you can think about. Take that high road. Get out, Don't take the low road. If you can't see a high road and you can't make it, um, just just don't play. Yeah, and that, that 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 can be in you know another example would be you know uh, blame. Yeah. <laughs> That's you know instead of putting putting blame on something to try just move forward, uh, make make the movements that need to be to to uh, to get the right results. Yeah. Uh, opposed to taking your 
taking the time to stick it to the person or people yep. that you know that might have done wrong. So uh, principle 10, through practice, awareness, and attention to the little things, you will build lasting reputation for integrity. Yeah. Um, I started that chapter off with a quote, and my second time I've mentioned John Wooden's name in this conversation, but man, if you haven't read any of his coaching books or watched any videos about how people talked about that man, but you know, he had a quote in there, it's, uh, it's the little details that are vital, little things make big things happen. And, you know, I think a lot of people sometimes will take that big opportunity to big the, do the big show of integrity or virtue signaling or, or whatever the word is today. But, you know, it's the little, little uh, deposits of honesty, integrity and relationships and doing what you say, hey, I'll get you that, I'll, I promise I'll respond to that email in an hour. Like, like little things like that up to big things. And, and um, it, it's so important to, to do little deposits like that versus the big show of, of integrity, right? Yep. No, oh, absolutely. And, uh, and I think this is all sewing together really nicely because when you make these examples and we're talking about it, it's like, well, yeah, you talked about, you know, we're going to get you that email in an hour. We're going to do this. And it comes back to that's not in today's world. We can't do everything as quickly as we want no. to, as quickly as we want to get it done, how we want to get it done. And the reality is we're going to make every best effort. Yes. And when we don't, we're going to adjust and, and acknowledge and yep. move it. This is a, a really kind of a neat way that it's all, you know, the chapters are all just flowing nicely. They, they flow nicely in the book, but in the conversation we're having here is uh, yeah. a, a great points. I have uh, that. There's a quote. Sorry to interrupt you there. That's the, right. the thought hit me um, in the. I think it's in this chapter. It might have been another chapter. Modestly undercommit, modestly overdeliver. Right. That's how you build trust with people. You know, hey, I'll, I'll get it to you by ten. Well, if you get it to them by nine forty-five, and it's a little bit better than which maybe you initially com- committed. Man, people walk away with like, man, that that peach is all right. You know. Yeah. Well, we all we get caught up with with. One, everybody, it's instant gratification. Thanks, yep. Jeff Bezos. I mean, yeah, you know, thank you. Since, it's, since Prime's come out, everything was supposed to be there yesterday, and yep. everybody's got the business and artificial intelligence to, to basically be prepared for you, and we're not. And you never want to lose a deal, and you never want to, to have an opportunity lost, whether it be internal or external in business. So we're, 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 fo- we're forced to say yes. And yep. I can't tell you how many times. I've used similar words. I, I would always say, you know, when I would give pushback to a client or a potential client, and, I, and they'd say, well, what do you, you know, what do you, why, why aren't you taking my business? Why aren't we moving forward like this? And I said, look, I'd be, uh, I'd be over-promising and underperforming, and I can't commit to that. Yeah. You know, I, I, would rather, I would rather you have different expectations with a better result yep. than have your expectations and a worse result. And yep. so that... That's been huge for me, and it's it's something that you have to have real confidence in doing because there are times that people are going to say, well, then I don't want to do business with you. And you go, yep. well, it's going to be your loss twice because nobody's going to be able to do nobody's totally. going to be able to do that. You're just you you want to go get somebody that says yes, and you end up with no. That's great. Yeah. Uh, you want to have somebody that's going to say maybe, and we'll work through it and get it to you as quick as possible with a, a yes totally. at the end. That's the way to be. Totally. So well, I've got a fresh example today. I had seven hours worth of a board meeting and. You know, boards um, have a responsibility of a lot of things. And I never want our board to ever feel that anything that comes out of our team's mouth, my mouth, any of the people in that boardroom, that they can't take to the bank. Mm -hmm. And 
and you don't get to be a, you know a, a CFO or a CRO or a CFO. Maybe maybe some people do, and you read about them in the paper. But boards do not trust people who are bullshit artists, right? Mm-hmm. And um, you do what you say you're going to do. You do it on time. You over deliver, you know, the, yep. versus some of the promises, and it, it usually works out. Yeah. Principle eleven: Integrity is action, not words. Yep. Um, in Texas, they uh, they call people who are BS artists. Um, they say all hat and no cattle. Yeah. And it's all about anybody can say they're going to do something, but it's actually the silent few that just do it and don't talk about it. And you know, I talk a little bit about that in the chapter and and all that. Um, uh, uh, I, I uh, uh, had an example of my father-in-law who uh, hired a contractor to paint his house and um, no, no attack on religious folks, but the guy evoked a lot of religion as he shook my father-in-law's hand about, you know, doing a great job because that's what his religion tells him to do. Guy, did, guy took half the money in the check and didn't show up again, ever again, never returned the guy's phone call. And it's like, you know, that's a perfect example of words not matching yeah. <laughs> the reality. And so um, I've come to, to appreciate, respect the, 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 f- the folks who do the work mm-hmm. and um, don't talk about the work until it's done. Yeah. Love the Texas example. As you know, yeah. uh, Andy Townsend with us. He lives in Texas. And, uh, and a couple, couple years ago, I said, uh, let's go get some cowboy boots because he's, he's been down there his whole life. And he said he's never owned a pair of cowboy boots. So I said, let's go get some cowboy boots. And uh, he says, I don't want to get cowboy boots. And I said, well, why? He says, I'm not a cowboy. Ha! So then so it kind, right. kind of stuck me real quick. And I thought about it for a second. I said, well, let's go get some Texas boots. And so I've got uh, Texas boots, but not cowboy boots. Is there a and, difference? Uh, yeah. Well, no, they're the same thing. They're just not, they're just not a cowboy. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> so awesome. I'm, I'm all hat, no cattle. Uh, and that was my learning lesson from Andy, and that was a great saying. I'm going to have to share that with him if he listens, doesn't listen oh, to my sure. podcast. He's, if he's from Texas, uh, yeah. he's, he's probably got a tattoo that oh, says yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we're getting down here. we got two more, I think, to go. Principle 12, do your best to tell the truth. It's easier to lead people from yep. a position of honesty than trying to lead them from a, from a position of deception. Yep. So I start that chapter off. Mark Twain has a, a bazillion great quotes, but the start of that chapter is, if you tell the truth, you don't have to remember anything. Mm-hmm. Think about, not just me, but any leader of, a, of an organization this size, I have got stuff flying at me from 57 different directions from the time I open my eyeballs in the morning till the time that I can't prop them up any longer at night. I, I am not smart enough um, or clever enough or evil enough to know that I, if I tell you some BS story that I, next week, that I'm going to remember the BS story I told you. Mm-hmm. And so I think um, uh, people might, uh, uh, people will forgive you if you forget or mix up. A, oh, I thought it was seven. No, that's 17. Oh, no, it was five. No, no. Oh, back, you know, flip those over. Those, people will get that. But if you have to remember, like, oh, shit, I told Peach it was 17. It was actually five. And um, it, it, you just can't live your life that way right. when you're in the in the burner seat like I'm in or some of the other folks are in. 
Yeah, I mean, to take away the fact that you shouldn't do it, and, right. and naturally you should. You, it's you, just you'd, easier. But I mean, that example, like, who did you tell seventeen to? Who did right. you tell five to? Yeah. How much work does that take? Right. And how much work does that take away and, from from productive work? Oh my gosh, uh, totally. So, so storytelling and 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 nonsense is something that you just it only it only behooves you to stay out of it and to, to stick to the facts yeah it's um, so much easier to live that way well, and lead that way well it is and you've you've been very transparent with uh with the, with us as a company which yep. is you know which you've delivered a consistent message to 650 people yeah um, and you do it all the time and yep. that has to be on because like you say if you tell the truth you don't need to yep. remember anything it's just natural that's how it comes it's been said it's, it's yep. clear and present so um, no. Yeah, I mean, we, we put our board decks, uh, like if you go downstairs on the second floor right now, today's board meeting, um, there are eight or nine slides from today's board meeting. Yeah. Like it, there shouldn't be a different set of stories for the people I lead than the people I serve. Right. Uh, at, uh, when I mean serve by the, at the board level. Yeah. yeah. No, that's a good one. Uh, now we're on the last one here, principle 13. May your word and handshake truly be as valuable as any signature on a contract. Yep. And, you know, that goes right back to where I opened it up. And I'm going to be honest with you, I didn't even, I, I think that some of the stuff that uh, I've said was through osmosis and rereading your yep. book. Um, but that just goes with if I can't trust your word, I can't trust your signature. Yeah. And if I can't trust your handshake, I can't trust your signature. Yeah. No, you nailed it. And um, I don't think I used this example in the book, but um, Warren Buffett, um, um Never papers a contract. He sits down with, you know, reportedly in the books and stuff that I've read about him in articles. You know, he'll sit down and you know he's buying the, he's buying beawesome.com. You and him will do the deal mm -hmm. and he'll discuss the terms and handshake and that's it for him. Of mm -hmm. course, he's got a bunch of guys that come in and button it up with all the, the right terms but he sort of viewed he one of his quotes and i'm going to butcher it up is like i never do business with people i can't trust right and my view back to that first comment you know uh, a good solid handshake and a yeah i'm going to do it look you in the eye and you tell me the same i'd, I'd rather work that way every day yeah yeah hey uh just so it's said warren i'm not for sale but i do have some uh openings for partners so uh Man, don't see that yeah. he, might, he might give you a good well, he, he might he might i'm just having too much darn fun with it so yeah. uh maybe it's for sale i'll take it back <laughs> yeah. give me a call warren uh my people will talk to your people but uh and this has been great i i, I think that the important uh, some of the takeaways that I have had with you over the last year or so have been learning lessons that I've mm -hmm. that I've gotten, and I, I thank you for writing this book. I think that this has probably benefited you since you've written it, and the businesses that you've worked with, mm -hmm. and the people that have worked with you and worked for you. Um, for those that have read it, I think that people should take the time to to dig into this uh, that are associated with you. I've been given these out to associations and partners of ours as the new guy on the block after uh, Kent being here for 19 years. This gives a great insight as to who you are and what your values are. And when you put it in writing, you got to stick to it. Pretty, yeah, I mean, it's, you kind of, it's kind of got, it's got your stamp, yeah. your name. I mean, this may or may not be your hand on the front. There's a nice, nice drawing of it, yeah. but this, this, I mean, you're putting it out there. Yeah, I got to live this. Yeah. And, you know, Hey, I'm not a perfect human being, but I wake up every morning looking at that thing yeah. figuratively in my head, like, man, don't F that up. Yeah. 
Well, I, I think it's a I think it's a phenomenal read. I really appreciate you getting the second go around with me. I think that the uh, you know our first podcast was great, but you know I thought that there was uh, there, there was room for improvement, and I wanted to really kind of get dig into this book. I know you got another one you're you're finishing yep. up on, and some other stuff happening. So, um, you know, I I just gave away my last shirt for the uh, for the ratings and reviews. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna move to books. I got some David Cook's books. I still oh, got to awesome. get out for for he's ratings and reviews. He's gonna come speak at a couple events for us. So. Oh, that's yeah. he's we're gonna love him. Yeah. Uh, he, he's he's just great. Uh, like Starbucks, we'll go. We'll, <laughs> we'll have to take him to Starbucks. Carry. Uh, maybe I'll do part two with him. But uh, I really appreciate you giving me the time here. And uh, we've gone we've gone uh, well over an hour, which just is great. I, I'm 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 now moving to. Uh, no longer having a timeline, but having a fun time. Yeah. And, uh, and this was great. This was a lot of learning and, and uh, bouncing off here. Well, I appreciate you um, on a couple of levels, Peach. One, clearly for what you do for the dude um, uh, as evangelist. You, know, you speak to 50,000 people a year. You're an inspiration inside the building. But I also have a lot of gratitude and appreciation for what you're doing with the Be Awesome movement. Um, the messaging, uh, what you're trying to get accomplished, the money you've, you've raised for for Santa and his charity and, and all that. And, um, you know, uh, really thankful for you to give me this time. Well, we're going to have to do it again uh, when the next book comes out or when we want to uh, get some more get some more t- discussion going, but uh, we'll have to do it when both of us have like collectively more than six hours of sleep. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. I'm, I'm on. I calculate it's twelve. I think I'm on about twelve hours of sleep since Sunday. Uh, I've flown uh, fourteen thousand miles this week, and oh uh, yeah, and I've got I think t- uh, twelve to I got about sixteen thousand miles left in me before. Uh, a week from now, so oh, wow. uh, ready for ready for a break with the family after that, and and celebrate some time with, with the family. So, uh, well, that's going to be it for us here in Cary, North Carolina. My offer to my listeners: first of all, as always, thank you so much for listening, for following, rating, reviewing, doing all the things that you do. Emailing me, I just got a wonderful email from one of the folks up in uh, Alaska that was just so so uh, great to, to receive. Uh, please give me your feedback, uh, good, bad, or ugly. Uh, for those of you that are kind enough to do a rating and review on iTunes for me, I've got uh, 10 copies of Ed's book that I will get autographed and sent out to you. Um, that we'll put in the mail, and uh, just if your name isn't something that's familiar, I know some people put names in, uh, I will uh, just send me an email to josh at beawesome, and that's J-O-S-H at B-E-A-U-S-M dot com. You can find me at beawesome.com, B-E-A-U-S-M dot com. Uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, I'm starting the Instagram stuff, um, but but keep in touch and let me know how I'm doing. So remember, in order to do awesome, you got to be awesome.